0: What's up, Maple Grove? Good you ready for some word today? All right, all right. Hey, I want to start off with uh, some words from a song that David sang to the Lord after the Lord had delivered him from his enemies and specifically from the hands of King Saul. We find it in Second Samuel chapter twenty-two. It's also actually Psalm eighteen. The Lord is my rock, my fortress. And my deliverer, my guide is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I've been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled around me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. Father God, we humbly come into your presence, recognizing that you are the maker of heaven and earth. God, that you are over all things, before all things, that you hold all things together. That there's no mountain, you cannot move, there's no See, you cannot part. There's no giant you cannot slay. There's no obstacle you cannot overcome. Father, we come to you as we live in a world that is full of trouble, and many times, like David, we feel kind of overwhelmed. And God, I pray your spirit will move and your word will come with power, God, to help us to know what to do, how to respond, and how to rise above in those times of difficulty when we feel overwhelmed. Lord, I pray that you enable me to say what I need to say in the way that you want me to say it. Help me not to get in the way. And Lord, forgive me for my sins. There are many, and I'm honored to stand up here for you this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, we're in this series On the Gospel of Matthew, a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study, looking at the words that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write for us 2,000 years ago. We are 13 weeks into that study. And currently, in this Gospel, we are unpacking the eight Beatitudes that Jesus uses to launch the Sermon on the Mount, His radical counterculture manifesto about what life in His kingdom is all about. And so far we looked at, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Next up is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will see God. And not the peace lovers, not the peacekeepers, but blessed are the peacemakers. Yet another radical counterculture way to live out our lives in this chaotic, angry and violent world. Yes, sadly, tragically, it's getting pretty crazy out there again. However, that conversation has to wait a week because today, Mother's Day 2022, we're going to jump out of this series and ask Jesus' mom Mary, to kind of join us in this conversation and give us some advice of what we need to do when Ever we're feeling overwhelmed you know those times like David when we feel like the waves of death and the torrents of destruction and despair are swirling all around us those times when we're overwhelmed and, and we need a refuge to shelter in we need a rock to stand on and a stronghold to run to question is anyone I don't need a show of hands Is anyone feel a little overwhelmed this morning Now, a lot of things can overwhelm us. Grief, guilt, grudges, worry can overwhelm us. Responsibilities, circumstances, relationships, struggles, physical struggles, the list goes on and on and on and on. Again, today, Mother's Day 2022, we want to invite Jesus' mom into our conversation to share what she learned 2,000 years ago about what to do when you're feeling overwhelmed. Moms, it's a dumb question. But I'm going to ask it anyhow. Have you ever found being a mom to be a little bit overwhelming, right? Or a lot a bit overwhelming? If so, I'm convinced that God has something to say to you this morning. listen, though, this conversation was birthed out of a hope to give some encouragement to moms, it's also my hope that it will give encouragement to anyone who finds themselves feeling overwhelmed. Sitting out there, watching online, or standing on this platform this morning. So let's do this. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Luke goes on. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And to think she woke up this morning... That morning, worrying about her Algebra 1 exam, right? At the time, she's probably a 14 year old girl, eighth grader or a freshman in high school. And so Gabriel shows up and he tells her, Hey, you're highly favored by God. God's gonna bless your life. Sounds good. And Mary, the blessing is that even though you've never been with a man before, you're not married, you're going to become pregnant, and the baby inside of you is going to be, is going to be God, and he's going to take David's throne. He's going to reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. That sounds a bit overwhelming. I mean, how would you react to such news? I'm sure she was thinking, I'm not sure about this God's favorite thing. You know, can I, can I pass on this? She's probably thinking, how in the world am I going to explain this? Like, who's going to believe me? She's thinking, how do I say this? Hey, hey, Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. How can I tell my mom and dad? Mom and dad, I'm pregnant, and God's the father. Talk about being overwhelmed. What am I going to do? Joseph's going to be so hurt, so angry, and probably leave me. My parents are going to doubt me and maybe disown me because of the shame I brought into my family. The community is going to shun me. My re- reputation is shot. Could it get any worse? God's favor resting on me. Yeah, right. Again, just a young teenage girl. The Bible says she's confused and disturbed. Another word would be overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with fear. I mean, there's a fear of criticism. What's everybody going to think? There's a fear of the unknown. How's this going to happen? What's going to happen inside of my body? There's a fear of inadequacy. I'm going to be the mother, son of God. Like, Gabriel, have you seen my resume? It's not that impressive. And then there's a fear of change. I know my life will never be the same. Fear of criticism, the unknown, inadequacy, and of change. Ever been there? What do we do? What do you do? What do I do when we're feeling overwhelmed? Answer, we do the three things that Mary did in Luke chapter 1. And I'm saying it doesn't matter whether you're overwhelmed because of doubt, because of stress, because of fatigue, because of responsibilities, because of relationship issues, because of health issues, because of change, the unknown, criticism, inadequacy. We, do the same thing, we need to do the same things that Mary did 2,000 years ago when she was feeling overwhelmed. Three things, by the way, that are usually the opposite of what we feel like doing. But understand, many times, it's, if we only did what we felt like doing, right, it wouldn't work out so well, would it? Okay, let's do this before we do. I was telling Courtney, if we did some worship, you know, I said, you know what? I said, if I had rhythm and could sing, Sundays would be scary. I'm serious. I'd be up here jumping around it, but fortunately for you. God didn't bless me that way. But we're going to take two to welcome those around us, okay? Get up your feet. Welcome those around you. i am got to tell you, that's always such an, a sweet sound as people are just checking in with each other. Okay, when you're feeling overwhelmed, the first thing you need to do is let go of your need to control the situation. Are there any control freaks out there? Don't raise your hands. If if you're married, no, I won't say that one. (laughs) Definitely not going to say that one. Question, are, are there any situations in your life right now that you wish were different? Situations that are out of your control, but yet you still want to be able to control the outcome. And typically what happens, the The more life is out of control, the more overwhelmed we feel, and the more we double down on trying to regain control of it. We'll use force, we'll use willpower, we'll map out plans and strategies. We'll do anything in our attempt to regain control and make things work out the way we want them to work out. Understand, so much of the stress in our lives, in your life and in mine, is caused by the desire we have to control the uncontrollable. And here's the deal. The harder you try to control things that are uncontrollable in your life, the more overwhelmed you will be. The harder you try to control the uncontrollable in your life, the more overwhelmed you'll be. And listen, a lot of life is simply out of your control, especially how other people behave, act, and respond. On top of that, God Scripture's pretty clear and life's pretty clear that many times God keeps us in the realm of uncertainty, right? Abram was uncertain about where he was going even though God told him to go, right? Joseph was uncertain how being in a prison could help him fulfill God's plan for his life. David was uncertain how he could be anointed king and saw some guy trying to track him down and kill him and chucking spears at him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were unsure if God would even show up when they went into the fiery furnace, Why does God intentionally not tell us certain things about life? Is it because He's kind of cruel and likes to watch you and I stumble and fall? No. It's so that we will rely on and depend on Him. Paul writes this We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, we were overwhelmed far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Ever been there? Indeed, we thought we received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Like, like it make, kind of makes, okay, rely on yourself, finite, frail, falling you, or the God who raises the dead. Seems like a no-brainer, but we got no brains, right? Uh, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we set our hope, not on us, and our ability to figure things out, that he'll continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, prayer matters. If you know someone's overwhelmed, just don't think about them, just don't talk about them, pray for them, amen? That was so weak, Amen? amen? All right, all right. You want to beat the lines for the lunch, I know that, okay. (laughs) Bottom line, there will be times in our lives when we find ourselves in situations that we cannot figure out and we cannot control, times that even though we know, hey, I'm at point A and I want to get to point B, but we have no idea how we'll ever get there. And here's the deal, listen, some of you in this room or online or standing on this platform need to hear this. When you're overwhelmed by something that's out of your control, stop trying to control it. When you're overwhelmed by something out of your control, stop trying to control it. Because continually trying to control something that is out of control will always lead to frustration, discouragement, depression, and hopelessness. And believe what I tell you, I know this to be true because I've taken that trip too many times. And I think if Jesus' mom was here this morning, she would look us in the eye, look me in the eye and says, when you're overwhelmed, let go of your need to control the situation. That's what I did. And it's a much better path than the one you're on right now. Amen? Okay, back to Mary. Gabriel gives us his crazy news. And what's our response? But how can this happen? And that's our response when we're wrong, right? But how? If you're filling in your notes, just circle those two words, but how? But how will I get it all done? How can I overcome these odds? How can I live with this pain? How can I turn things around? How will I be able to make that payment, solve that problem, restore that relationship, overcome that hurt, survive this crisis. And let me be clear, Mary is not doubting what God had said through Gabriel. Like she doesn't doubt that it's gonna happen. She just has no idea how it's gonna happen from her human vantage point. I mean, notice she didn't say, when he said, hey, you're gonna be God's mom, she didn't say, no way, that can't happen. And so she said, but how? And there's a huge difference between, no way that can't happen, to, but how can it happen? Huge difference, amen? amen. See, we must never forget that we can only see things from like a five foot vantage point, right? what's right in front of us, or maybe to the side of us. God sees things from an eternal perspective. God sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning and the end. And he sees everything in between. Get it? Good. But how can a virgin have a baby? Great question. We still haven't figured it out 2,000 years later, right? After Mary's but how question, Gabriel gives Mary some details of how a virgin could become mother of God. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Mary's like, that's what I thought. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. Pretty simple. No. See, the core, the bottom line answer to Mary's but how was this basically this. Mary, is anything too hard for God? For nothing, Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. But how can I get through this? How can I overcome what is coming against me how can i get to the other side how nothing is impossible with god okay can you think of anything that's too hard for the star breathing ocean holding sea parting giant moving life giving dead raising giant slaying all powerful all knowing all present always existing never tired worry confused overwhelm creator and sustainer of the universe god i'll wait And here's the deal. Whenever you're overwhelmed by things out of your control, never forget that there's nothing that's ever out of his control. And, and like I tell you, I, I was sitting in the parking lot with a brother this week just talking about life and stuff, and I hadn't decided yet whether to preach a Mother's Day sermon and jump out. And we started talking about, I started sharing how, Overwhelmed I am. I shared how oftentimes I get up here. I got to preach what I need because I'm so stinking screwed up, right? You know. And when I say I'm messed up, you guys think that that's not a tagline, right? That's not something. Oh, I really am. (laughs) You know. I I got a lot of work to do. And a lot of times I don't respond very well to being overwhelmed. So the the spirit really led me in this conversation with my brother over there to say, you know what? I I I think it's already decided because I I I said by twelve o'clock Wednesday I got to figure out what I'm going to do, God and I figured it out, that I need to talk about this. And some of you may, and I'll tell you, here's the deal, here's the deal. If you're here for the very first time, and you never heard, heard this idiot up here talking before, right, and you're to show up today, it is not an accident. I would encourage you to lean in, because God brought you here for a reason, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed. Amen? Amen. 2,000 years ago, Mary, Jesus' mom, She believed that. She believed that there's nothing ever out of God's control. And the moment she believed that and said that, she stopped worrying, she stopped freaking out, and she started trusting. How do I know? Because of what she said next. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Hear what she's saying? She's saying, hey, God, I may not get it. I may not understand it. I may not even like it. I don't know how things are going to work out. But I'm your servant. (laughs) And God, whatever you want for my life, however you want things to turn out, I want your plan and your way. I'm all in with you. That's what I want. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And the angel left her. And I'm convinced with a smile on his face saying, Great choice, God. I love that little girl. Are you feeling overwhelmed this morning? Like you're in a situation that you would rather not be in and desperately want to change. But it's for the most part not in your control. I mean those words, but how? How will things get any better? How will things turn around? I mean, those words are echoing louder and louder with every breath that you take. If so, again, God brought you here to get some advice from a 14-year-old girl that happened to be the mother of Jesus about letting go of your need to control the situation, about trusting the never out-of-control God and saying to him, Lord, I'm your servant. May everything that you want to happen in my life happen. I want your way, not my way. Sounds like something his son prayed in the garden, doesn't it? And you know what? I'm pretty confident Mary just breathed a sigh of relief. I'm glad that's off me. I want you to picture whatever it is that's overwhelming you right now. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's the unknown. Maybe it's a health of relationship crisis. Maybe it's your finances or schedule or demands on you that seem impossible to meet. Maybe it's concern for a family member or friend. Maybe it's concern for the health and growth of his church. Maybe it's feeling of depression or discouragement or hopelessness that you just can't seem to push through. Again, whatever it is that's overwhelming you, I want you to think about it. If you're not overwhelmed right now, praise God. I hope you're not lying to yourself. But if you're overwhelmed, there's somebody nearby you that is. And, and, and what I, I want us to say, I want you to think of what's overwhelming you. Get that picture in your mind. And, and then I, I want us to say these, these three words. I think I have a slide. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Okay. Here's the three words. He's, oh, there they are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's up? What's up, my lovely Brian? Both of my children, who's nodding her head, said, Slow down and calm down, boy. Okay. Just about I know. I know. He's got this. Think about it. It's overwhelming you. You're so stressed. You're so worried. You can't push through it. On a count of three, we're going to do this as loud as we can. I want you to think about it. Think about it. You picture that. Whatever's overwhelming you, count of three. Just say, "He's got it." Three times: one, two, three. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. Amen. He does. He does. A couple of verses, and we, you bring it, girl. A couple of verses, and then we'll move on. Uh, it teaches us what to do when we're feeling overwhelmed. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Question, who's smarter, you or God? Answer. Who's smarter, you or God? Who knows, who always knows what's best for your life, you or God? Who always knows the right path for you to take whenever you're overwhelmed, you or God. Awesome. A plus, right? Great job. You all passed. And David says these words, and David's like, I love David. You know why? Because David is real and transparent and authentic. You read the Psalms, it's like somehow you, you broke into his journal, busted the lock, and started reading about his struggle to find God. I mean he just lays it all, th- all out there about his struggles. Some caused by other people and some because he just did dumb things like you and I do. And, but here's what he says. In Psalm 138, though I am surrounded by troubles, you protected me from the anger of my enemies. You reached out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you mate me. And notice David doesn't say, he doesn't say, the Lord will work out my plans for my life. Right? He, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. And if you take the time to pause, that's pretty incredible that the maker of heaven and earth like actually has a plan for your life, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty mind-blowing, right? Like he created everything, like the plan of and yet he has a plan for my life. And then uh, three, three uh, quick things about God's plan for your life. Number one, his plan is often bigger than your plan. Someone say it's a bigger plan. Amen. I mean, all Joseph and Mary wanted to do was get married, put some meat in the crock pot, and buy a condo, right? Have a happy little life. Not a bad plan. But God's plan was much bigger. His plan was to bless the entire world through Mary and Joseph. That's a slightly bigger plan. Understand, we have no idea, you have no idea what God could do through your life, if you were completely, totally sold out to him. Not just part of your life, but if every fiber of your being belonged to God, and if like Mary, you said, God, whatever you want to happen, however you want to use my life, that's what I want. When we have a heart like that, look out. Because Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth, In order to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. The eyes of the Lord, right? That means that right now, God's eyes are looking out the entire earth, and he's looking for hearts that are fully committed to him so that he can strengthen them. Amen? His plans for your life. Like your plan is just to get through that sickness or depression. Depression or that loss or relationship struggle. God's plan is to get you through it, to grow you through it, and then to use your testimony to help somebody else out. Your your plan is to get the job or promotion that'll pay the bills and help you get ahead, or to get into college, get that that degree as debt-free as possible. (laughs) But God's plan is for you to be a light and a voice and a witness for him in a place that so desperately needs him. A bigger plan. This plan, enforces is also sometimes a more painful plan. It's harder sometimes, more difficult. It's confusing. It doesn't always make sense. I mean, the plan that God had for Mary's life was much harder than the plan that she had. Again, the difficulties, all the gossip about someone, unmarried woman, claiming to have God's child. And then the difficult journey to Nazareth, From Nazareth to Bethlehem, just days before her birth. Now, I've never given birth personally, being a man. I've seen it up close. I've determined that if giving birth was up to men, humanity would die out in one generation, right? (laughs) It'd be gone. It is over, right? Not a chance. I've seen enough to know it. No way. Not happening. Not ever. Don't even talk about it. It's done, right? And so she's about to give birth, and she's making this journey. She didn't fly first class. You know, There's no minivan, right? You know, with, with, with the lumbar support. We don't know how she got there. You know, we always think a donkey, but the scripture doesn't say that. I'm, they're probably too poor to afford a donkey. Regardless, it was a hard trip. And she's probably saying the whole time, Come on, God, why Bethlehem? Why, why can't I give birth? in my own home, on my own bed. God, why does it have to be so hard? God, I surrender to your plan. I'm doing what you want. But why is everything always so hard? Sound familiar? What she didn't know was that God was fulfilling a promise he made hundreds years early through the prophet Micah that said the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And here's the deal. God was working out his plan in Mary's life. God was working out his plan in Mary's life. And God is working out his plan in your life, even when at the time all we can see is the difficulty. Amen? See, see, nothing in, your, nothing in your life is an accident. And there's a purpose behind every problem. There's a purpose behind every problem. And like, and whatever's overwhelming you is not overwhelming God. He knows everything is going to happen to you before it happens, even the bad. It doesn't cost the bad. It doesn't need to. There's enough bad out there, right? But he can take the bad and bring about good. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. God's plan is bigger, it's harder. And third, God's plan for your life is always better than your plan. Someone say a better plan. And and notice, I, I didn't say often is a better plan. I said always is a better plan. Because, you, and listen, when we cover God's plan for our life, you can relax. When you cooperate with God's plan for your life, you can relax and stop being overwhelmed because you know that A, he has a plan for your life, and B, that his plan is always better. Amen? It's always better. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans that give you hope in a future. Better plan. James talks about that better plan. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. A better plan, right? Perseverance. Mature, not lacking in anything. That's his plan. So when you feel overwhelmed, stop trying to control what you cannot control and trust God that he's got this. Amen? Second thing you need to do and don't worry, it's not nearly as long as the first point, but I'll tell you how long it is, just, it's all good. Let other people help you. And that's the opposite of what we tend to do, right? I mean, sometimes when we get overwhelmed, instead of asking other people for help, people instead of asking for help, they, they start withdrawing and pulling away from relationships. They isolate themselves, they say, leave me alone, I don't want around people, just let me hunker in my bunker. They stop coming to church. They start pulling out of the life group. They push away family members and friends. And understand, whenever we do this, we are backing away from the very thing that we need the most when we're drowning in the waters of those hard, difficult, overwhelming times. And what we need the most is other people. Back to Mary. She receives this crazy news. Gabriel takes off. What's her next move? Mary hurried to the hill country, of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and explained to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, for your child is blessed. And why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me when I heard your greeting? The baby, I emphasize that, the baby in her womb jumped for joy. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Now, now Elizabeth, I'll just say one thing real quick. You can talk to me later. And there's two words right there. God called what was in Mary's womb a baby. I'm going to call what's inside a baby's womb, whatever God calls it, regardless of what culture calls it, regardless of what Washington calls it, regardless of what the Supreme Court calls it, I'm going to call it a baby, right? A baby in God's womb, because God called her the baby. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Remember I said, no matter what jersey we wear, we're to call out the wrong and encourage the right, okay? So it's a baby. And she's a cousin of Mary, but what's important about her is who she is, right? And here's who she is, here's who she is. She was a godly woman, married to a godly man who prayed a lot, helpful. She was a little bit older, had more life experience. And she was already pregnant, so she was already on the journey that Mary was, but a little further along in that journey. And see, and the point I'm trying to make here is that, one, we need other people. We need an Elizabeth. We need someone who is spiritually mature, who's generally chasing after God. We need to find that person. Someone who maybe has a little bit more life experience than we do with this so they can help us. And maybe someone who's the same journey as you are, but a little bit further along in that journey. See, we need other people in our lives, especially when we're feeling overwhelmed. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And there are so many people in our world that have fallen down all around us and have no one to pick them back up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one can be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When you're feeling overwhelmed, do what Jesus' mom did. Let other people help you. And that's why you need to be part of a church. That's why you need to be in a small group. See, it's not enough just to attend church and hear Bible teaching. You need to be connected with other believers in RACC, Real Authentic Christian Community. RAC. I just made that up. And when's the best time to get connected? Before the crisis hits, right? Before it hits. Listen, you're gonna have hard times. You're gonna suffer loss. You're gonna have relational, financial, emotional issues. And it's best to have that support base in place before it actually happens. Are you tracking with me? Christian fellowship, Christian community is not an option, it's a command. Among other things, the Bible says, carry each other's burdens, and this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. And one of the requirements for us to be able to carry someone's burdens is we have to know what those burdens are. And you know what it's called when you carry someone's burdens and they carry your burdens? You know what it's called? It's called church. It's called living out the second greatest commandment. It's called loving your neighbor as yourself. It's called authentic Christian community. It's called being real so you can get better. It's called being honest and transparent when you're not okay. It's called fighting against the enemy who lies about who we really are. As I was doing some work around the church yesterday, I always worship when I work, so I love, like, I call it mindless work, you know, you know, when i just, like, cleaning or something, and I was listening to a song. <laughs> I was actually in one of the restrooms. I heard this song by Matthew West called Truth Be Told. Just lean in. Lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask you how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is really told. I say I'm fine, yeah I'm fine, oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken. And what's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fault, there's no sin. You don't already know, so let the truth be told. There's a sign on the door saying, come as you are, but I doubt it. Because if we live like it's true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say the church should look more like a hospital, a safe place for the sick and the sinner and the scarred and the prodigal like me? Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. And listen, I want to tell you, I stand up here right now, that we want to be a church where the truth is told. Not only the truth about God's Word, but the truth about how we're doing, how we're really feeling, and the struggles that we're having. I mean, I'm done with church, putting on our mask and acting like we're okay, everything's working great, marriage wasn't better, taking those fake pictures on Facebook that look so good, when we're really hurting inside. No, that's not church. And, and, that, and I'll just be straight up, if you want to be part of a synthetic, fake church where we act like we got to go we don't, this is not the place for you, because we're messed up, and we're trying to get un-messed up, right? And, and it's hard. I don't know about you. I've been doing this for a long time. And I feel like you kidding me? Like, I got that far? I got that far? Let other people help you. Let go of your need to control. And we have life groups that meet. We have one that meets on Sunday morning every other week. We meet in the, um, we call the room now the living room. You know, because we do life groups in there. And there's a Monday night group. There's a Friday night group. There's a Wednesday night group. Just let me know. Right? See, if you do life alone, that's on you. That's on you. You don't have to. It's on you, right? And the next is you need to lean into God's strength. And listen, God's strength is always there and always available, but you need to choose to lean into it. You need to stop acting and living like it all depends on you because it doesn't unless you choose to let it all depend on you. And listen, the reason why this 13-year-old girl was not blown away is because she trusted God's word and she leaned onto his promises. Elizabeth said, you're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. God's got this. And that gave her strength. She rested on his promises. And here's a promise of God that you need to keep in mind if you feel overwhelmed. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. And hey, we're about done, but please stay with me. The one who informed you says, don't be afraid. You are right now? He says, don't be afraid, for I ransomed you. I called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, you guys say the underline. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not when you walk through the fire of oppression, the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Amen. Understand, that in your own strength, you may drown when the floods come, and you may be burned up when the fires rage, but not in God's strength, not in His strength. And where do we get that strength? I'm going to summarize it. First, by praising God's goodness, right? By pra- That's what Mary did. She actually wrote a song. It's the magnificat, magnificat, magnificat. Like it's like a superhero cat with a cape on, right? It's a, like some Latin word or something like that. And, 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 uh, and I actually looked up the Greek word. It's uh, magaluno, 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 right? And, and magnify, it, it means to make great, to enlarge, to esteem highly, so She's overwhelmed that she sings this song of praise to God, magnifying God. And in the song, she reminds herself of things like, hey, hey, God, you took note of a lowly servant. God, you always show mercy to those who fear you. God, your mighty arm has done tremendous things. God, you filled the hungry with good things. God, you always keep your promises. And listen, I cannot encourage you enough that when you're overwhelmed, you take a praise break. And just say some awesome things about God. His greatness, his goodness. I did this the other day. I was feeling stressed out because I came home and forgot stuff at the church. And I was, time, I was overloaded. And I was just getting frustrated. I said, you know what? I need to grab my headphones and I need to worship because I'm freaking out right now. You know? And, and, and I put those, those suckers on. You should see me out there walking my dogs this morning. I mean, I just, it changes my whole perspective. Because I'm reminded it's not on me, and I'm reminded how great God is and how powerful God is. God is great, God is good, God is faithful. God can do anything, and his love for us endures forever. God is great, God is faithful, God is good. God can do anything, and his love for you endures forever. God is great, God is good, God is faithful. God can do anything, and his love for you endures forever and ever. Oh wow, I feel better I feel better. I feel better. And the next thing you need to do, Mary did the same thing. Leaned to God's strength by being in and treasuring his word. Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She thought about God's word, and she knew his word long before Gabriel showed up because it's all, God's word is all over her song. She quotes scripture. Because you can't know the Bible unless you read the Bible. And and why is it important? Why is it important to read, study, memorize, and meditate on the Bible? Because the Bible is God-breathed. The Bible is living and active. The Bible is like rain and snow coming down from the sky to water the ground and causing things to bud and flourish. The The Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The Bible lifts us up when we're down. It picks us up when we fall. It encourages us. It strengthens us. It renews us. It refocuses us. It refreshes us. I love the Bible. I need the Bible so bad. So bad. And I cannot tell you how many times I've gone into the Bible feeling so discouraged and overwhelmed and I had one of my David's schizophrenic moments leaving full of praise and happiness. Like, what happened? What happened? Like, three minutes ago, you are all sad, and life was terrible, and now your life is great, God is awesome. I can't wait for another day to start. That's God's word. That's the power of God's word. Amen? And, and listen, here, here. Praising God for his goodness, being in God's word, are a guaranteed way to lean into God's strength when you feel overwhelmed. Check out these words from Babacic. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, not much money in my bank account right now, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer and enables me to tread upon the heights. I'm sure that there may be one or two people in this room who are feeling overwhelmed. By fatigue, you're really tired. By loneliness, there's an ache in your heart by relational, physical, emotional, financial, vocational issues that you feel are about to pull you under or by any number of things, regardless, take these steps that Jesus' mom took. Let go of your need to control the situation. Let, right? We have to do all these, right? Let other people help you. Lean into God's strength by praising his goodness and being in his word. And if we do these three things, I think we'll find that we will have the attitude that Paul had in the second letter to the church in Corinth, the one read early when he said, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then he says this, a few verses down. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we'll be renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Not... what. On what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, your struggle, your difficulty, what is overwhelming you is temporary. So we fix our eyes not what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Father God, we come to you this morning Whew. acknowledging our need for you. And God, I lift up the moms, Lord. Tough job. Wouldn't want it. Tough job. Now, lift the moms, especially right now, are feeling overwhelmed. The moms that maybe now are hearing lies from the enemy telling them they did such a horrible job. Lies. I pray you encourage them, Lord. I pray you give them courage so they would not lose heart. And I pray that all of us, when we're feeling overwhelmed, will do what Mary did, God. God, help us to let... Go over our need to control. Let other people help us. Help us become that kind of church where it's okay not to be okay. And help us to lean into your strength. God, help us to take courage and to know that you're with us and that you got this. In Jesus' name, amen.